morning, Mendocino County and beyond. You are tuned to Wild Oak Living here on KZYX, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. Wild Oak Living is all about living sustainably and building community in Mendocino County and beyond. This is Johanna Wild Oak. I bring you this program every other Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. Today, we are going to focus on community resiliency and disaster preparedness. And we're going to be talking about a funding and grant program by the Mendocino Community Foundation. Uh, and we'll be joined to, to talk about that by uh, Rose Bell, who is the uh, communications manager at the uh, at the Community Foundation. And she's also uh, the project manager of the Mendocino Recovery uh, um, Rock Rose, you'll explain what Rose, what Rock is in a minute, right? So, um, and then we'll also be joined by Brian Ferry-Taylor, who is the coordinator for Renewable Energy Development Institute, ready in in um, in Willits, and he's one of the uh, he represents uh, one of the grantees of of the funds program we're talking about today. And later in the hour, we'll also be joined by Scott Craddy, the executive director for Mendocino County Fire Safe Council, who are also a grantee of that program. And we are going to be talking, as I said, about this fund and grant program, how it is already making a difference in the community, um, more about the program and what it does and what it is planning to do, and how you as a community or how we as a community can support this program. I have one announcement to make before we get to talking uh, with Rose Bell about this program, and that is there is, a, because it's kind of also along the the, the, the the lines of sustainable living, so I want to help get the word out. This is a solstice event coming up this week, weekend. We are invited to celebrate the summer solstice at the Emerald Earth Sanctuary in Boonville on June 18th through the 20th. That's this weekend. Uh, if you're more interested, if you're interested in more resilient and resourceful lifestyle and a deeper connection to the forest, they're offering workshops, hikes, and discussions related to earth and building ancestral skills restorative forestry, permaculture, living in an intentional community, and more. They are a nonprofit, and this is a fundraiser that will help them continue their educational outreach. Uh, you can join them at this Community Resilience uh, Weekend for the solstice, during the solstice weekend. They also will have uh, organic food and plenty of opportunities to learn things. Uh, for more information, you can go to emeraldearth.org. That's emeraldearth.org. Or you can, let's see, is there a phone number? No, there's not a phone number, but go to emeraldearth.org if you are interested in this event to find out more information. That's happening this weekend. All right, let's go to our topic, the main topic of today, talking about community resiliency and the and disaster preparedness and the fund and grant program by the Mendocino Community Foundation. Rose Bell, uh, welcome again to Wild Oak Living. Uh, it's it's a pleasure to have you back on to talk specifically about this program. Before we get into it, talk a bit about the Community Foundation and your role there, and then let's get into talking about these funds and grant programs. Thank you so much for having us back, Johanna. We really appreciate it. We really enjoy being able to come on and talk about the work that's happening around Mendocino County and that's really made possible by Mendocino County residents who give through the foundation to local organizations. Um, so again, my name is Rose Bell. I'm the communications manager and disaster recovery manager at the Community Foundation of Mendocino County. 
And uh, that came about because I actually came on um, over three years ago as the project manager for Mendocino Rock, which was the long-term fire recovery team that was formed to help respond to the 2017 Redwood Complex fire and to help those fire survivors through that immediate relief phase into recovery and into long-term rebuilding and hopefully resilience. And so I've been kind of in this world of disaster recovery and firework for um, the past, you know, handful of years working locally. And uh, the fund and grant program that we're going to talk about today, which I think is very timely given the heightened fire conditions with the drought this year, is our Community Resiliency and Disaster Preparedness Fund. And that actually came about in the wake of the 2017 Redwood Complex fire. We were kind of neck deep in working on recovery and seeing the impact of the fires on families and individuals and businesses and our community and our environment. And there was just so much. And we kind of needed a light. We needed something positive um, so that we were we were making a change and not just trying to come back from, you know, to where we were. And so with that, it was actually kind of Megan Barbara Allende, our CEO's brainchild, um, this idea of having a resiliency fund that would help. Previously, we, we did obviously give out grants to places like local fire departments and other emergency responder groups. Um, but we wanted a program that was really about making our community more prepared for future disasters um, and more resilient so that we could bounce back and come together as a community in the face of and in the wake of disasters. Um, another element of this is obviously we're all very aware of fire risk, especially um, I'm in Ukiah, you know, uh, with the Broad Valley Fire, Potter Valley Fires um, up in Willits and Cobolo. Um, But our county is pretty geographically diverse. And so there's always a possibility that the coast, if, you know, an earthquake or different kind of events happen, the coast could get cut off or certain regions could really get cut off um, from resources. And so we really wanted to make sure that we were looking at not only fire, but as many different types, how the fund came about uh, in early 2018. Uh, And it has since, we've made grants for the past three years, since 2019, um, countywide. And uh, it's really great now, a few years out, to start seeing the the impact of those grants. Um, We've granted over $385,000 to date just in this area, just in preparedness and resiliency, um, which is phenomenal. I mean, we started out hoping we could do $50,000 a year. Yes. Um, Yeah, our goal was to do $50,000, $35,000, something like that a year. And then in our um, second year, the California Fire Foundation uh, awarded us a a pretty large grant that allowed us to increase what we gave. And then this year, Global Giving awarded us a grant. Um, And so this work that we're doing and that the community is doing is showing up on a larger scale, on a statewide and national scale when we're applying for these grants. They're seeing the work that Mendocino County is doing and the lessons they're taking from the 2017 fires and implementing those lessons to make our community stronger um, before the next disaster. This is an aspect that uh, that I just uh, thought about when you mentioned this about how you know you're you're, you're starting to gain uh, global global visibility in terms of in terms of how can we model the kinds of uh, you know the kinds of efforts that are that are going to be necessary in the age of climate in the in during the climate crisis you know in terms of communities responding to everything that the climate crisis might bring upon us um, 
so I, I'm I'm just uh, you know that 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 is an interesting aspect. In addition to supporting our own community, is that we could serve as Mendocino County as a model for other communities. Yeah, I mean, we have very high risk factors for certain types of disasters, as we know. And I think that the, the more that we can learn from the experiences that we've had, and that comes into, um, Johanna, you and I kind of mentioned earlier, the difference between disaster preparedness and community resiliency. And part of the mm-hmm. community resiliency is learning from those lessons and engaging our community in those efforts to recover. So we don't just wait for you know, the big national, international groups to come out and we don't just wait for FEMA or Red Cross or, you know, someone else. We as a community tap our local resources. You know, it's North Coast Opportunities that does the case management for our recovery work. It's Winston County Fire Safe Council that is doing mitigation efforts. They're not waiting for a state or government, you know, agency to come do that work. It's Sherwood Firewise that is creating egress routes, you know, and so by really working locally, one of the greatest lessons I think we learned in the recovery efforts from 2017 was to work locally, hire locally, connect with locals, because we understand our community better than any outsider. We are not, you know, a cookie cutter suburb, you know, of just, you know, row houses. We're very unique. Um, and by by relying on the unique skills and talents of, and knowledge of locals, um, we become more resilient when we learn collectively how to bounce back and how to prepare. Talk a little bit more about uh, disaster preparedness versus community resilience. They, they are obviously relate, related and they and they mesh into each other, but but they are you know there's you know maybe as a background for why you have those two different funds. Talk a bit about what the what each of the focuses are. Yeah, so disaster preparedness is more about, you know, have your go bag ready and, um, you know, just having being very disaster specific in those functions and in that preparedness. Um, Whereas resiliency is trying to create networks, trying to establish relationships and systems so that we know what to do. We're not just reacting to every disaster. Um, We are prepared. We understand what these disasters mean for our community. We know who to call. You know, this is an example. We we just had a conversation the other day with uh, the Community Foundation, North Coast Opportunities, the county, um, to just talk about, you know, how how are we going to do the next fire if there's a next fire or when there's next fire? And that we already have those channels of communication in place is already becoming more resilient is because other otherwise disaster preparedness is knowing that like we call 911 or we you know we have our bag ready to go but by being resilient by working together and collaborating and already having a system of how this will work and how we're going to um, respond collectively makes us more resilient. Um, and looking, you know, resiliency also incorporates incorporates issues of equity, and so certain areas and regions that are more geographically challenging um, for disasters, um, either because of the geography or because of the kind of socioeconomic landscape of those regions and what they need to be prepared and to recover. And I, there's also, I think, the, uh, 
an emotional aspect to resiliency, right? As a community, I mean, we as, in, as individuals, if we experience disasters, um, you know, we we have we have we can have traumatic responses to that uh, that can lead us to make you know a difference in our own lives for example you know to vow to become more prepared or or to or to you know provide more clearance around our house or or to connect with our neighbors but then there's also this this um aspect of community whole communities being traumatized for example like we saw in paradise you know a whole town being traumatized by such an event so to what extent does does the the, the resiliency fund address that aspect of of disaster yeah the, yeah the resiliency fund it, it's inclusive of in, emotional, uh, mental, physical well-being, um, and helping people prepare and be and recover. Um, certainly following the 2017 fires, there was a lot of uh, trauma and PTSD, and that was, it was very evident the, the following year in the 2018 Mendocino Complex fire when the valley filled with smoke and everyone who had just gone through that that firestorm immediately had that, you know, that feeling come back up, that fear, that desire to get out. A lot of people fled to the coast, um, you know, which is another thing that we always are considering is that when there's wildfires inland, everyone goes to the coast and then the coast organizations are getting taxed to be able to provide support. And so it's trying to be considerate, not only of what region is being hit, but also where everyone's going to go and where that support's going to be needed. Um, so yeah, having, um, supporting organizations that support emotional, uh, and mental well-being and help people prepare and recover, um, from these disasters is an important piece and supporting community projects that work together. You know, it's like after the 2017 fires, there was all the great art projects that came about, um, you know, like the monologues that Ellen Lee did and, the uh, mosaic project uh, that Elizabeth Raby did, you know, and all of these, and that was art, but that was also community resiliency. That was also emotional recovery of people being able to work together through these artistic mediums or to witness these artistic mediums um, through their recovery. So it's pretty multifaceted to get there. Yes. And speaking of multifaceted, it sounds to me like like your role is kind of the role of the community foundation, but also your role as the, you know, as the, as the project manager and, and the, and the person who oversees the, the granting process um, is to, to be a kind of a, a, a coordinator and connector and a network builder, right? Absolutely. You know, that's um, community foundations are kind of looked at as a three-legged stool. So one is our donors, our funders um, that make all of this grant making possible. And then there's our grantees, these organizations that are like the boots on the ground, doing the work, helping people face to face. And then the third leg is community leadership. And a lot of that community leadership comes through networking um, because we make grants countywide and we make grants to most of the nonprofits in this county. We have relationships with all the nonprofits, and we are aware a lot of the projects and needs of what's happening. So when we see, and this happens, you know, even with this fund, our grant committee is sitting down and we're reviewing grant applications, you know, and we might have 25 grant applications. And then we realize like, 
oh, this organization is doing this and this organization is doing this and they probably haven't talked to each other. But if they did, they could do that one project even stronger or they have an, a resource and they have a need. And if we connect them and so that's always, you know, and, and same with funders, we, you know, um, we had a funder that that had some funding available for something pretty specific and we just happened to know not because they were applying to grants for us but because we knew the project that a nonprofit was doing around disaster preparedness that they had a need and so it was this great opportunity to say wow you need twenty thousand dollars to finish this project and this funder happens to have twenty thousand dollars that can only be used for this and we you know we introduced them and they got that funding and they were able to finish their project so it is definitely being a conduit um, for some of those conversations, uh, whether around disaster preparedness or broader, you know, community projects. Sounds like it's actually more than a conduit. It sounds like it's kind of being a community visionary. In, yeah, in terms of where, where is our community going? That's a great term. Um, yeah, I think I think we're trying to. I just made are, it up. <laughs> great. Uh, coin it quickly. Um, you can have it. Thank you. <laughs> You'll see it in my next article. Um, okay. I think we are constantly uh, trying to listen to the nonprofits, right? Because we hear the need through the nonprofits. We, if it's just us sitting in our office, you know, uh, we would have no idea. But it's been through all these conversations. We're doing surveys. We appreciate every nonprofit that's listening to us. Thank you so much for every survey you've ever completed and the ones you will complete in the future. Um, because we we listen, and that's what we're trying to do, whether it's through our grant applications, whether it's through our surveys, whether it's through one-on-one -on -one conversations. We're trying to listen to understand not only what's happening for one specific organization, but what's happening in that area of interest, what's happening in that region, and what's happening in the county, um, so that we are sure to be equitable countywide as far as funding programs and projects that have need, um, uh, populations that have need, um, and yeah, and certain regions. And again, um, you know, Brian's um, program with Ready with Sherwood um, Firewise is a great example of a project that that had need uh that need was very much demonstrated and tested in 2020 with the uh, um oak fire um and they've received grants from the community resiliency and disaster preparedness fund and they're a great model for other other regions of our county and other regions statewide um, of, of how to become more prepared and resilient as a community because they're really working together as a community in Sherwood to, to do this work. Thank you for that for that setup, Rose. And we are going to be talking to uh, Brian Ferry Taylor about that project in just a moment. I'd like to just take a minute to let you know that you are listening to Wild Oak Living here on KCYX, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. This is Johanna Wild Oak, and this program is all about living sustainably and building community in Mendocino County and beyond. I bring you this program every other Thursday from 9 to 10 a.m. and have been bringing you this program on KZYX for more than 20 years, I realized the other day. It's so amazing. Uh, and, 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 it's, and it's my great honor to be able to share the, the individuals and projects and programs and organizations that make a difference in our community. And one of those is definitely the Community Foundation of Mendocino County. And that's what we're talking about today. We are talking about the uh, Community Resiliency and Disaster Preparedness 
fund and grant programs at the Community Foundation of Mendocino County. And our guest today is Rose Bell. She is the communications manager at the Community Foundation. And we are now joined by Brian Ferry Taylor. Uh, I, I'm going to go to 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 talking with Brian, uh, but Rose, let's 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 just make a little mental note. Um, I'd like to talk after we talk with Brian about um, um, uh, how people can support the Community Foundation, and then that is not just a major donor kind of thing. It, that's really that's really important for me <laughs> that anybody can can support the Community Foundation. You don't have to just give them a big inheritance or something like that. Absolutely. Even small donations help, right? Five dollars, five hundred dollars, five thousand dollars, you know, really every single amount counts. We saw that enormously with the disaster fund and we've seen it with the resiliency fund as well. Whatever people can give, it goes back into your community. So if that if the discussions that we're about to have with Brian and then later with Scott Craddy from the from the Fire Safe uh, Council inspires you to to donate and support and contribute to our community and to these funds, um, we are going to be sharing information about that uh, towards the end of the program. But meanwhile, if you would like to find out more or or support this organization, their website, Rosebell, what's what's the website? www.communityfound f-o-u-n-d dot o-r-g and if you go there there's a donate button and you can support the community resiliency and disaster preparedness fund or the disaster fund which is what we use to respond and recover when there is a disaster um, and as joanna said five dollars five hundred dollars whatever is is reasonable for you uh, we appreciate the support and all of these organizations uh, that are receiving grants to do this work receive uh, appreciate the support Great, thank you. So now, finally, <laughs> Brian, let's let's talk with you, Brian Ferry Taylor. You are the uh, uh, the the uh, coordinator for Renewable Energy Development Institute Ready, which we've heard a lot about over the years, and which we could probably just spend the entire hour talking about about Ready. But t- today, we're talking about um, your role as a uh, as a grantee of the. Uh, Community Resiliency and Preparedness Fund to to provide uh, access um, to improve and maintain emergency access for the Sherwood evacuation corridor in Willits. Can you give us a bit of a background of, of, of that project and how it's been supported by the Community Foundation and perhaps also your role in the project? Thank you, Joanna and Rose, for having this program and inviting me. Um, I'd like to first follow up on, on the... Um, uh, the discussion about donations. Uh, when we work for grants, uh, every dollar can be leveraged. And so even if you give a $5 donation to the community foundation, when the community foundation goes and applies for a grant, they can use that as matching funds. And that $5 can be magnified many times. So don't, don't let the size of your donation uh, stop you from helping out. Um, in yeah, 2017 was a wake-up call for all of us. Um, the, uh, the Sherwood, the people that were dependent on Sherwood Road as an evacuation route. Uh, when Prior to 2017, we thought that we had many ways of uh, to evacuate uh, out of the area. And then the new map came out and said, sorry, folks, there's only one. And that, that was a wake-up call. And through the National Fire Protection association sherwood firewise was formed and we are um, a project of ready so i really have 
very little to do with Ready other than to thank them for uh, supporting us in this project. And uh, one of the first things we put together was uh, was uh, the Sherwood Planning for Evacuation, Education, and Drills, the SPEED program in 2018. And we asked the Community Foundation if they could help us with that. And they did. And, and it was wonderful. We they Their grant helped us to set up a Broadcastify channel where we're monitoring uh, the, the fire radio and, and getting information immediately in real time when a fire call goes out. And out of that, we got that equipment. We got a backup generator so that this system will be functioning even if there's a, a PG&E power cutoff. And we can let our subscribers know. Uh, it's an, uh, We call it the safety net alert system. We let them know that something's going on in your neighborhood and in the Sherwood corridor. And it's time to start paying attention. And another, um, so that's part of that grant, but now we're sending out tomorrow um, a mail mailer packet, which the community foundation has supported this mailing that has information about preparedness and uh, also a resource list of when you get that alert, here are the places on the internet, here are the people you can call to get more information. So this is all information that people can be gathering and preparing for before the Nixle alert or the Everbridge alert comes out and says it's time to go. <clears throat> the um, part of that first grant too is we had workshops and drills. We had two uh, drills where we practiced going out the Sherwood Road both ways so people could see what that was about, how good that road was, and assess their, assess their abilities to prepare for evacuation and get out. Then the next year, um, we, we started putting together the emergency access route maintenance. And this, we looked at the old maps and saw that there were access roads that just were poorly maintained. Some of them had trees growing up in the middle of them. And out of that, we, we came up with the idea of creating a CSA three zone of benefit where the people that would benefit from this project uh, would, through a small tax on their property, pay for maintenance and improvement of these access routes so that they could be used. Uh, this uh, is, we're working closely with the county. Uh, the community foundation provided funding to get the ball rolling. We've got, we've obtained matching funds from um, Conic lawyers out of uh, Sacramento. And this is moving forward, and we should see this come to ballot uh, this year. Part of that focus helped Cal Fire to, to come in and clean up the Furco route that went from Ellis Field down to 101. And that was key in the uh, 2020 Oak incident, where the uh, the OES, the, uh, the Office of Emergency Service, was able to dedicate Sherwood Road to evacuation and use the Furco Road to bring fire equipment up right to the fire site. So that that road now is, is established. The memorandums of, of understanding with the landowners have been obtained, uh, but now it needs to be maintained so that the next time it's needed, it'll be ready for use. 
And that's what the CSA 3 benefit zone will do. And then I mentioned that the, the, uh, this year's the grant um, for the Every Home Needs mailer, like I said, that's going out tomorrow. So the Community Foundation has been there for us from the beginning, and they've helped us to get these projects rolling. And um, I think the Oak incident shows us uh, the success of, of where, how that funding and that support has helped us to, to uh, make that work so well. And, and, you know, we have to give a shout out to the, the county for recognizing the need to call for an emergency uh, evacuation early on and not wait till the last minute to say, oh, oh my God, this is really a problem. They started that, uh, that emergency planning uh, and getting ready for that order within minutes of when that fire started. So it, everybody's working together to make this happen. So it sounds like it sounds like the the funding and the support that you received from the community foundation um, sort of enabled you to initiate and get going, and then and then you know look look to other funding sources. So, for example, this this uh, ta- property tax uh, initiative uh, and other things uh, is is that is that right? Is that how sort of how it happens? Is kind of seed funding for. Yes, it's it's not only seed funding, but it it um, it enabled us to successfully complete several projects so that we could move forward and and show not only uh, when we're applying for other grants to say, yes, we've got this monetary this monetary block that we can use as a matching fund. But also we with that support, we've been successful. We've come up with programs that work and are proven, and as mentioned before, as, and can serve as blueprints for other communities uh, that want to set up a safety net alert system like we have, or want to look into a CSA three benefit zone like we're doing. Um, this is the first one that count, the CSA three benefit zone is the first one the county's done. So the county is what getting educated. What does CSA educated. stand for in this context? Community service. A, we'll guess on the A, uh, assessment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I like so the, the last part, benefit zone. That's the, mm-hmm. the it's, it's going, it's a specific benefit um, for a particular group of people. And they're saying, yes, this benefit is important to us and we're willing to fund it. Mm-hmm. So this is a property tax that's not countywide, but that's specific to a certain uh, part of the community. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. to the okay. people who will directly benefit from this service, and it's it's not going to be very big. We're 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 working on that, and it'll go out as a ballot, as a mail ballot to all the property owners um, that would be affected by it, which is. Anybody, any property that would use Sherwood Rose Road as a primary access route. What are some of the things that you've learned in the process that would be helpful for other parts of the community that that have similar access issues? Uh, you know, like if, if they wanted to do something similar to you that that you, than you did, what kind of advice would you offer? Good question. Well, of course, first is identifying the access routes. Um, what uh, I, th- I think people know that through somebody's land that they could 
you know, might use that. And there's always been talk about, well, I'll just get some bolt cutters. Um, and this is not the way we want to go. Um, what you want to do is, is, is talk to the landowner, find out what, what their needs are and what they want to see happen. And it's been very clear with the landowners, um, we've worked with and with the county that these routes are not primarily evacuation routes. They are emergency access routes. And, and we really want to preserve, and, and I think that the people in talking about it and thinking about formulating uh, are looking at the routes in their area, that these are primarily for uh, fire equipment for ingress. And the egress will be on established county roads and would only be used for evacuation if the sheriff decides that's the best and only way to go. So I think uh, when a community is looking at that, that, that they need to keep that in mind. And the other thing I, I would like to just point out quickly in terms of benefit is once you start thinking about these kinds of projects and start talking to your friends and neighbors, you, you create a, a relationships and um, um, someone's stepping up and saying, okay, I'm going to volunteer. I'm going to put my time into this. Then these relationships start building. And I, I think that really speaks to community resilience. When you get a project together, you get a group of people together that are interested in working on it, you create these really important relationships like we have with the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council. What a great setup, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> We've been joined by Scott Craddy, who is uh, the executive director of the Mendocino Fire Safe Council. He's also the host of the uh, Fire Safe program on KZYX, which pleases me especially, uh, Scott, because um, you, I don't know if you remember, but I started uh, doing at least one or two annual programs about wildfire preparedness uh, many years ago with Colin Wilson when he was the fire chief of Mendocino County. Uh, at the time he started the Fire Safe Council, he and others started the Fire Safe Council. I started doing these programs and I started out with one program a year and then we did two or three programs a year and I and I brought in Cal Fire and it and it and it it got to be a bigger and bigger topic. Um, and then I did specials about the Valley Fire and recovery and it and so it 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 you know it became a, a significant part of Wild Oak Living was to cover wildfire preparedness and wildfire recovery every year. And I am so so glad that you have now picked up that ball um, and turned that into an ongoing program on KZYX because it definitely deserves to be, you know, to have that kind of exposure and also the spots that you run, the public service spots that you run. So it's it's really it's really rewarding for me to see that that has now uh, gained the kind of importance and, and exposure and, and room on the radio uh, that it really deserves. So welcome to Wild Oak Living, Scott Craddy. Thank you. Thank you. Yep. Um, Thanks for all the work you did plowing that ground. That's much appreciated. Scott is here to talk about uh, grants that the Mendocino Fire Safe Council received to expand the capacity of the Fire Safe Council and to develop a community chipper program and other projects. So, for example, a mapping project. And we're also going to be talking about, um, if we have time, 
of course, uh, a bit about what we can all do to be pre- more prepared. I'd, I'd love, I'd love, I, I know that the Fire Safe Council, you know, receives funding from from various sources. Um, I'd like to particularly tr- uh, to focus on the role of the community foundation in, you know, and 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 you're working with the community foundation and how that's made a difference for the Fire Safe Council. Um, sure, um, and it made a tremendous difference recently. The um, you mentioned the founding of the Fire Safe Council, which is almost 20 years back. But what a lot of people don't know is that it's gone through a lot of ebbs and flows over the years. Uh, there, there were times in the past when it was fairly strong and, and had uh, some full-time work going on it. And then there are times when it has kind of dwindled away. Um, and come uh, about 2018, it had completely dwindled away. There was actually nobody at the Fire Safe Council. Uh, there had been no, the, the tax filings had not been done for several years. It was in danger of losing its nonprofit status. Uh, And the Mendocino County Resource Conservation District started an effort to revive it uh, at that point. Um, And by the time 2019 rolled around, they were almost getting too successful at reviving it. They, they had gotten a couple of grants, and it was taking up so much of their time that they weren't able to, to get to some of, some of the work they needed to do. Uh, so they made a decision to bring on an executive director, which was me. I started at the, at the beginning of 2020. Uh, and they also had the uh, great foresight to work with the Community Foundation to um, try to get some sort of starter funds uh, to help us get that going. So uh, as I had the luxury when I came on of having an initial larger uh, sort of um, sort of capacity building support from the Community Foundation, uh, and I like to think we took that and did a tremendous lot with it. It came with a couple of things. The Community Foundation worked with us to set some pretty ambitious objectives for it. Uh, so we had objectives to uh, increase the number of neighborhood organizations countywide. Uh, that was, uh, you know, Rose mentioned the need to, to treat the whole county, and that was a big part of it, was to make sure that we, we expanded our outreach uh, to all parts of the county. And I think when you look at the map on our website now where there are neighborhood organizations, you'll see that we've done a pretty darn good job of that. Um, so we diversified geographically. We expanded the number of communities that we have connections in. Uh, a big component of it was expanding into Spanish language content uh, as part of that grant. Uh, so we developed a lot of capacity there. And if you look at our website, firesafemendocino.org, uh, right in the upper right-hand corner, there's a little Spanish language tag there. And if you click on that, you will see that we now have some amazing Spanish language content, um, including um most recently, a series of videos uh, that are all Spanish language that sort of take the entire process of getting ready for wildfire and do a family-oriented job of presenting it so you can watch it with your kids, uh, and it takes you through all the pieces of that process. Um, so we developed a lot of content there, and there was also tremendous support for um, sort of building a membership base. So we started the process of creating member benefits, which had never existed before, uh, and boosting a membership program, which has expanded our outreach and our ability to uh, target to get messages out with our newsletter. The more members we have, the more people we can get word out to about, about important projects coming up. Uh, and then another huge part of that was to leverage um, the Resource Conservation District had managed to get some funds to purchase a chipper, um, but we 
didn't know what to do with the chipper and we didn't have a crew to work with the chipper and we didn't have an, uh, an automated process for using a chipper. Uh, so they provided us the springboard for that, which has now led to uh, we have an automated online system where people that need chipper days in their area can work with their neighbors and put their addresses in and show us where the demand is so we can automatically schedule chipper days and map them. Uh, we now have a process where our crews have iPads. We now have two chippers, so it has grown. Uh, we have crews that go out, and uh, we've done a tremendous lot of work with Sherwood Firewise, which organizes uh, you know, uh, community projects in their area, and then we go out and follow up with chipping. Uh, it enables other things. Uh, we have a meeting coming up later this morning. Uh, you know, out of this work and building the base, Sherwood Firewise and some of their neighboring neighborhood fire safe councils have gotten together and to help deal with the storm damage from earlier this year. Um, brought in a group called Team Rubicon, a veterans group uh, that came up and did a lot of work about a month and a half ago, and they're coming back next week with a much bigger crew uh, and going to put in five days of helping people clear defensible space and take um, dead trees out of access roadways. Uh, and we're going to be then following on with our chipper crew, uh, which is you know, another exciting development. Uh, our main chipper crew uh, is um, kind of an economic development project as well. We've um, done a series of trainings uh, and we've got a great crew that is all run out of and organized by the Hopland Band of Pomos. They house one of our chippers uh, and they've been doing fantastic work out there um, doing projects for us. So that was kind of a brand new work opportunity and crew. Uh, that also came out of that community foundation sort of startup process. That's, those are all just amazed. I'm, I'm, you know, the more I listen to Rose Bell, uh, the, the more amazed I am by the, the work that the community foundation is doing to actually support the community and to make such a huge difference in the community. Well, and the Mendocino County Fire Safe Council was really uh, an important grantee for us. We specifically applied for grant funding to provide a larger grant to the Fire Safe Council because we knew they were trying to grow to become, have larger capacity. And because they do countywide work and we're always trying to make sure we are touching every region. And so we've been so impressed with everything that they have done that Scott managed to accomplish during a pandemic. I know that that was yeah. large. You know, having really big deliverables and then having a pandemic is really hard. Um, and so we've just been so impressed to see all of this work that's being done that is preparing, you know, neighborhood by neighborhood. And to what Brian was saying earlier, that the, a lot of the value in the resiliency is coming out of neighbors working together, neighboring neighborhoods, con connecting, you know, different communities, learning from each other and sharing resources such as the Chipper or Team Rubicon coming in and, and working with multiple um, neighborhoods, I think is really the key to being resilient and prepared, right, is to, to know our neighbors and to to make plans um, collaboratively, so. Yeah, that's, you know, absolutely. Just to chime in on that, one of the, um, you know, one of the things I always like to say is, and we've, we've landed a few multi-million dollar grants and we've got a lot of great cooperation going with the county. So we've got a lot of big projects coming in, but if you sit around and wait for a grant to come to your neighborhood, uh, you may be sitting around a long time. There's a lot of neighborhoods uh, and you can accomplish the same amount just by getting your neighbors together for a day. So a lot of people doing a little bit uh, can get as much done. And, you know, moreover, even when we land that big grant and come and do that road clearing project, that makes your job easier, but it's still your job. 
you've got to maintain it. Uh, it's your access road, your property. You're not going to have that grant come in and do that again and again, year after year. So a huge part of this is organizing more and more neighborhoods. And a big part of what we do is sort of the networking them. Um, Sherwood is, is a great leader in this. We have uh, you know regular meetings of the leadership of the neighborhood fire safe councils throughout the county uh, where they find out what each other are doing, exchange ideas, and uh, you know, for example, the communication network that Brian talked about is uh, you know, as a as a, a leader in the county. There are a few other organizations that have great ones. Uh, and one of the things we can do, you, you can see on our website, is uh, you know we held a roundtable of all the neighborhood organizations to talk about what their communications networks are, to share ideas. We put together kind of a, a uh, mass documentation of exactly what they do, exactly what Ridgewood does, what Greenfield's put together. Uh, so when your neighborhood wants to start off a new communications network, uh, you can gain all that experience just by going to one web page reading through it all, deciding which of those models fits you, uh, and you, you don't have to start from scratch anymore. So, Yeah, that I'm, I'm so glad, Scott, you mentioned that webpage because my, one of my questions uh, I meant to ask you, Brian Ferry Taylor from the Sherwood Fire Safe Council, was uh, do you have a website or some source of information where people can go to, to look at what you're doing and, and maybe learn from what you're doing? We do www.sherwoodfirewise.org and uh and i want to say i've watched the development of the fire safe council website over the last year and it's phenomenal if there's anything you want to know about fire safety and preparedness um that that website is uh, awesome ours is good ours is very good and it's local it's for us uh but the fire safe council has videos and, and the spanish language uh take on it it's it's uh, scott has built a really wonderful site there you could study it for a week <laughs> there's a lot on there and maybe if we, we have a chance we'll go through a little bit of that and that was also uh in large part with help from that community foundation startup fund and yeah i mean i you know can't really say enough about that with their help and the county actually helped a lot as well the county's been really solid in supporting us um you know we went from essentially non-existent in 2018 to we just found out a couple weeks ago that we are a assembly district two's nonprofit of the year so you know congratulations from, from nothing too pretty far we've got a lot going on Congratulations, and and I know, I know I know that takes the the work of a lot of people, but I know that you as the executive director, you know, were 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 heavily involved in making all of that all of that happen and come together. Yeah, we're putting in some hours. Um, yeah. So, um, and um, just to mention, so uh, that was last time. Quickly, our current community foundation grant. Um, is also attempting to further a project that the community started. Um, it's a mapping project, the, what, what we got that we're working on this year. Uh, and it came out of good work, just you know, part of, part of it, it all connects. Uh, one of the things we did last year with the chipper was we formed a really good working relationship with the Anderson Valley Fire Department. Uh, and they coordinated a lot of chipper days for us. And in talking with them as part of that process, we found out they were working on a mapping project uh, too, because there's a, a big issue when when firefighters respond to an emergency, they're often coming from out of the area. 
and they don't know what's up a road. They don't know how many houses there are, where they are. Uh, they don't know where there are water sources. They don't know where there are people who need extra help. So uh, the Anderson Valley did a kind of project to develop maps that are just specific for first responders that you can put at the, at the entryway to a road. So when a crew from out of town pulls up, they can see, okay, this is what we've got to deal with up this road and, and be prepared. Um, so um, Colin Wilson, who you mentioned earlier, uh, had a big hand in developing that. Uh, that project then went on and got grant funding and, and the Elk Fire Department replicated it. Uh, when we were, we've got another grant to work on a community wildfire protection plan specifically for Hopland. And when I talked to the fire chief there, he listed his number one concern as having better maps of those communities. So we took those things and sort of put them together and said, sounds like this is something a lot of people are going to need. Why don't we get funding to do that intensively, re replicate what they did in Anderson Valley and in Elk and do that in Hopland, but this time do it in a way where we document every step of the process uh, and create a method and procedure. So when other communities want to do this again, again, they're not starting from scratch. Uh, we can show them exactly how to do it because a large part of it it again requires a partnership. It requires some technical expertise to get the best map to start with, but all of this, all of the data out there has inaccuracies and none of it is gonna tell you exactly where the water sources are that are designed to be hooked up for fire departments. So you need a meld of that base map you start with and the resource of having a neighborhood fire safe council that can then go in and validate and add the information that's not available out there to make a map that's fully functional. Um, so we have the ability to pull those things together since we have neighborhood a neighborhood network. Uh, so we're trying to kind of take an M&P that tells you how to start with the base and how to then combine your local expertise to create something that's really functional. Yeah, this is something that Colin and Wilson and I talked about a long time ago. You know, many of us have large tanks or ponds or other resources that can be helpful in case of a fire, but how do we communicate that kind of information and how do we make it accessible, you know, to, to firefighters, it, it, firefighters if they need it. So it's really nice to see that that effort is ongoing. And if, if there are people who want to feed into that process, either through their local fire safe council or through the Mendocino County fire safe council, can you just reiterate the, the contact information for your organization again? Um, the best one to use generally, so our office number is 462-3662, uh, and our main email is admin at uh, firesafemendocino.org. You can also get that on the website, firesafemendocino.org. Um, so we are getting easier and easier to get to. We are still building. I, I will mention that, you know, our admin is, is part-time, so we cannot always answer you instantly, uh, because there's, you know, not always someone available, but we are, we're, we're definitely building capacity rapidly. And, and a, a large part of that capacity building is the reason we're here talking today, which is the support from the Community Foundation of Mendocino County. 
that's the topic today. I just want to reiterate in case you've joined us during the program. This is Wild Oak Living. My guest, to, this is Johanna Wilder. My guests today are Rose Bell, the, uh, the communications manager of the Mendocino Community Foundation of Mendocino County. We are also joined by Brian Ferry Taylor, who is the uh, who is with the uh, Sherwood. Is it Firewise? Sherwood Firewise? It yes. Is. Okay. All right. And also by Scott Grady, who is the executive director of the uh, Mendocino Fire Safe Council. We have uh, only a, just a few minutes left, and I just want to give five minutes. Thank you, Eddie. We have five minutes left, and I just want to give um, each of you a, ch- a chance, uh, you know, to to make any any final comments you want to say. And I think I'm going to start with Brian and go to Scott, and then Rose let you wrap us up at the end. Thank you. I, I'll follow up with the mapping. Um, how important it is to have adequate signage both uh, street names and address signs and, and both fire Sherwood firewise and the Mendocino County fire safe council are, um, will, will are selling, uh, four inch high reflective, uh, lettered signs. And these signs are amazing. I, I can see mine with a flashlight, not even shining on it from a hundred yards away. It, it just picks up any light. And that is so important for firefighters. I listen to the radio broadcasts and, and a lot of times they're saying, now where is this place? So adequate signage is really important. And you can contact us at info at sherwoodfirewise.org. Thank you so much, Brian Ferry Taylor. Scott, your closing comments here on this program. Okay, well, we don't have time to go into the sort of getting ready, but get ready. Um, You know, uh, step one is, you know, 90% of the fires are caused by us. So don't do that. Um, You know, be smart about using tower equipment, about change. Let's just start less fires this year for a start. Uh, And secondly, get prepared, home hardening and defensible space. You can find out about those um, on CAL FIRE. Just Google defensible space. Google uh, Home Hardening. Uh, our website, firesafemendocino.org, has video series that will step you through how to do that. So get your property ready. And thirdly, then start helping your neighbors get ready because your home is safer when your neighborhood is safer. So if you are not part of a neighborhood fire safe council, uh, you should see if there's one in your neighborhood. There's a map of all of them on our website so you can check. And if there's not, there's a box to start one. Gather a couple of neighbors. Uh, and make it happen. And I just close by again, thanks to the Community Foundation for helping us get all this going. Thank you, Scott Craddy, Executive Director of the Mendocino Fire Safe Council, and Rose Bell, your your closing comments here on Wild Oak Living. Yeah, I want to thank Brian and Scott for joining uh, for this call today and for all of the work that you're doing um, for your local and countywide communities. I think it really makes a difference. And to all of the grantees of this program who are making a difference in their own local communities to become more prepared before the next fire or the next disaster. Um, and most importantly to our donors, because this fund, you know, we it was in the wake of a fire. We threw this idea out, asked our donors to jump on board and help us become more prepared. And they responded and they made it possible, including the California Fire Foundation and Global Giving, um, who have given to help us keep this fund going. And we are working on making this a permanent fund so that we can always be better prepared um, in the community. 
Um, and if you are inspired to give, um, I would encourage you to visit our website at www.communityfound.org, and you can donate there to the Community Resiliency and Disaster Preparedness Fund um, or to the Disaster Fund, which is what we use to respond when there is a disaster. Um, and thank you, Johanna, for having me and us here today to talk about uh, resiliency. I think you could do a whole show on just either one of these uh, grant projects, um, but I really appreciate you kind of bringing it under the umbrella of the work we do, because we like to believe we are something of a treasure chest for our community um, and that people that give local keep their dollars local and it supports our local communities. And uh, as we said earlier, um, there, no contributions are too small and no contributions are too big, right? Right. <laughs> and all of your contributions are used to match. It might not be a one-to-one -one match, but when we apply for grant funding, when we ask other donors to give, it is those small and large contributions that allow us to say we have, we have brought in X amount. And if you can match that, um, it really makes a bigger impact. So all contributions are welcome and appreciated. Great. Thank you so much, Rose Bell, for uh, helping me pull this program together today and, and getting all the guests organized. I really appreciate your, I appreciate all the work that you're doing in general, and I specifically appreciate the work that you did today to help make this program going to come together. And thank you to our guests, Brian Ferry Taylor and Scott Grady, for all the work that you're doing and for being on Wild Oak Living today. I really appreciate your joining us. Uh, and again, the websites are uh, the communityfound.org for the Community Foundation. Um, the FireSafe Council website again is is firesafemendocino.org. Okay, and Brian, what's your website again? Sherwoodfirewise.org. Great. I'll be back in two weeks. Please join us for another edition of Wild Oak Living, two Thursdays from today at night. This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willetson Dukaya 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.